Well, good morning to everybody. Um, well, it's probably after, it'll be afternoon soon, but here I am at uh, 20 Spring Street at the old Treasury Building Museum, and my friend Katie Dunning. Uh, Katie, could you tell people exactly what you do here? Oh, that's a leading question. Indeed. <laughs> Let your mind wander. Exactly. Uh, the big things is marketing and education programs. Right. And um, I've been lucky enough to, to make contact with you through the last Post magazine. Um, and one of the things about the old Treasury building, Katie, is you always have such magnificent exhibitions. I mean, stuff that goes right to the, the guts of who we are as a, a nation, I guess, and city here in Melbourne too. Yeah, absolutely. We um, try to put on something we think will pique people's interest, if nothing else. Yeah, well, you do a good job. You pique mine all the time with the stuff you have on. We go walking down here now and we're seeing um, this exhibition, Katie. Tell us, Lost Jobs, have you ever heard of a nightman, a scoop boy or... A phrenologist. What was a phrenologist? I think. So a phrenologist is uh, what we consider a pseudoscience these days. Right. So they believed that the lumps and bumps in your head would lead to different behaviours, whether they were either good or bad. Right. Okay. That's interesting. I've got a lump at the back of my head, <laughs> and I don't know what's it all about, but it's been there since I was a kid. Not that it makes me strange or anything, but yeah. Well, it's so many things too. And then we move on, and of course. Um, a hangman, of course, mm. uh, was. Uh, tell us about that. So the hangman was quite notorious. I think we've mm. all heard of it. We know the famous images with mm. Ned and yep. um, right up till the 60s, I believe, the last hanging 67, was. I think, yeah. yeah, with Ronald Ryan. That's, That's right. Bit, yeah, yeah. And indeed, I was reading about this when I came in and saw that a chap here by the name of Colin Ross... Mm. was executed in 1922 yes, and poor old terrible. Colin yeah, what happened there so he was found guilty of a murder of a young lady and it was only just over 12 years ago i believe that he was actually exonerated they discovered that the evidence against him a hair was actually a completely different color to that of the victim oh poor old Colin Katie and it took him 40 minutes to die so it wasn't it an was, instantaneous yeah, death at all they, um, Yes, they, it was a bit of a science, so the government tried to work out just how heavy someone had to be and just for the length of the drop. And for women, they'd actually put weights in the bottom of their skirt, so there was no impropriety at all. Oh, OK, OK. So, yeah, strange moral behaviour when you consider what they were doing. Um, and, Katie, we wander into here. We see it on the water there with the waterfront, I guess, and in the home. Now, this is very interesting here with the... Home. Tell us about this this part of the exhibition. So the home is, well, it's what our grandmothers, some of our mothers, would have gone through and, and using the mangle to wring out the washing and the, the heavy irons for oh, ironing the, um, yeah. the clothes. And you hate to think just how hot they would get. And the handles are, of course, metal. So they would have had wooden handles yes. around them, of course. Yes. But they still would be horrible work. Oh. Such hard work and even just boiling water. Well, I've never been that fond of ironing. And <laughs> I reckon... Avoid it when you can. That's a, this is the reason. Look at that. Jeez. And in the old... Uh, there in Collingwood, the streets of Collingwood, mm. that photo there, of course, an open-air wash, wash house. Yes. Well, in the 1930s, of course, they didn't have any running water. Very few would have had hot water even somewhat recently. Mm. Wow, and then we move into this. I did see, I did see, Katie, that um, there was th this uh, television or this. What, tell us about what's on this video. It's the 
it, so the trains. We're very lucky to have a documentary. It's called The Last of the Gatekeepers. And it was made oh. when they were shutting down the uh, manned level crossings. Yes, yes. So the people um, lived, most people lived yes. at the gatehouse yes. and they would open the gate for cars coming through. Um, now it's all automated, of course, and, right. and we curse Metro as we drive past them, though soon we won't have any level crossings. Well, no, that, that's <laughs> a, it, time moves on. And it, I think it was... I, I used to live in Hampton and there used to be a gate out. I think the last gates were there at Hampton along the beach there. Um, but yeah, as a kid, thanks for bringing back a memory. I tend to remember that now rather than, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I think everyone's got a vague recollection of a, of a gatekeeper. Isn't that interesting? So here we are, the lost jobs and just going through a description of all these jobs. And then if we moved, I guess we, we head back towards where we came from up this beautifully tell us about this building katie so the building was completed in 1862 mm -hmm. uh, for the gold rush of course right with that money right um our architect was young jj clark he was 19 when he designed it 19 what a beautiful building this is mm. we're very very fortunate and we had a, a lovingly restored in the 1990s so we're very fortunate i tell you what this would have been a magnificent still is a magnificent building and it's a pleasure to walk down the, the alley or the, what, the hallway here with you. And we head up now to... We, this is something here, Women Work for Victory, Katie, which we've, we've had in the magazine a couple of times. Tell us about this because it's a very successful exhibition. It is. Mm. So it was our contribution to the anniversary... Um... <laughs> <laughs> On... Yeah, so women worked for victory in World War Two, and so of course women did play. Of course, I think in many ways this might have been uh, feminism started before this, I suppose. But but it was during this period that women realised that they they were working. They didn't want to give up their jobs. That's it. Well, a lot of them worked for the first time. Yeah. So obviously the, the men yeah. typically uh, would go off to war and leave the jobs, and then well, how do we get munitions? And how do we get food? Yes. And so women stepped up to the plate, as we often do yes. in situations. Yes. And it was wonderful. Well, I tell you what, I'm so glad that happened because it, uh, where would we... I mean, it, it was just a, a, a team effort. And, and, of course, when, when the war ended and, and, um, and the men came back, um, a lot of the women didn't want to give up their jobs, and that's, that's understandable. But this exhibition really brings, brings light to that, doesn't it, Katie? It does. And, and so, to, I mean, we have the equal pay for equal work there. And Which, of course, 99% of people never reach and no. it's still an ongoing struggle. Yes, indeed. Thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> and if anyone out there listening that can do anything about that, then... She's... Please! <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, it's, it's an incredible thing, although equal pay was granted, uh, you know, in, uh, but it still doesn't exist in many cases. Mm -hmm. So this story really tells, this exhibition really tells the story of the behind the scenes, what actually happened uh, during the war and how women played a vital role in keeping um, supplies out there to, to... Is that a post woman there or something? Yes. So, Ray, oh, look at her, look at her. Describe that, Katie. So this is one of our young women. We don't have a name for her, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And she is wearing a lovely skirt, yes. very practical for yes. working on the railways <laughs> oh, boy. and pushing a very large cart with some 
some beautiful um, baskets on it. And she's even got a little high heels there. which Little high heels and always a smile. Oh, isn't she lovely? She looks like... Um, she, what name? Should we, we won't give her a name, but she looks... She, I might, <laughs> might get in trouble, but she looks lovely. And there's Smithy up there. She already she's Smithy to the Adele, Adele Shelton Smith. So she was one of the first female right. reporters who actually went overseas. Right. She, ah. um, yeah, she reported not quite from the war zones, right. but she was very constrained in what she was allowed to report. Yes. But, uh, yeah, she was quite a trailblazer. Oh, isn't that interesting? And it says here, of course, that Adele reported from the women's angle, and I guess that would have been an interesting read back then too. It would have been something that, as you say, wasn't up front and it wasn't dodging bullets, but it was probably just as important. Mm-hmm. Of course, yeah. the, the nurses were overseas, of course. Yeah, that, that's an interesting point to bring up too, Katie, the nurses, and um, too often war is told from a male point of view. That's it. Mm. Yes, and of course, well, we're talking of war, where would we be without protest? <laughs> and of course, um, this part of this exhibition is called what, Katie? Protest Melbourne. Yeah, and tell us a bit about this. So, Melbourne, we like a bit of a protest. We like mm. for our voices to be heard. Mm. And we've tried to sort of condense the history of protest in Melbourne. So, from the earliest ones that we know about, yeah. um, right up to recent. Yeah, and it, it, it says there, Katie, the first recorded protests, I think, took place in the 1840s mm-hmm. as they, Melbournians, opposed government from Sydney. So that's going back, there must be a, but must have been a lot to cover. Quite a lot to cover, yes, and it was uh, quite entertaining trying to work out just what the important things to make sure were mentioned were. Well, of course, protest is essential to a healthy democracy, and I think um, the New South Wales for government, for example, now is trying to make protests that vanilla that they won't they won't achieve mm-hmm. anything mm-hmm. but isn't the idea of protest to achieve something that's it that's uh what we always aim for and here we have of course aboriginal rights which um from the very beginning indigenous victorians fought to uh, retain their land and their culture by the 1850s most were forced to live on reserves and were excluded from the city of melbourne so this is the story of the indigenous or aboriginal rights mm-hmm. protests katie and it's certainly big coverage of that Definitely. Well, it's an ongoing problem, of course. We've got a bit of information about change the date and, mm-hmm. and of course, um, recognition in the Constitution. Yes, yes, that's right. <laughs> that's exactly right. And that's an ongoing, an ongoing discussion, mm-hmm. and as is changing the date of Australia Day, which, uh, which many feel is um, a bit of a, um, a slap in the face to the Indigenous people. Katie... Finally, can you tell listeners why they should come here and watch the beautiful exhibition? Well, I mean, aside from the beautiful building, we've got fabulous exhibitions that are always interesting. And the best part, we're free! Get that free, repeat, free. (laughs) That's a one, two, three, is that a four-letter word? (laughs) It's the good kind. Yes, thank you very much. Katie Dunning um, from Old Treasury Building Museum. And do come down here when you're in Melbourne and for Melbournians at 20 Spring Street, magnificent educational exhibitions that really take you to the heart of the history of this beautiful city.